Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. Well, two years ago, Wesley Morris, via the New York Times, declared that 2015 was the year that we obsessed over our identity. And if you think about it, over the last 50 years or so, there's been some big changes in the world, hasn't there? I mean, over the last five years, there's been some big changes in the world. In fact, over the last couple of months and maybe even the next 12 months, there's going to be some big changes um, that are happening. But with all the changes that are happening in the world, there is one constant um, that seems to be very consistent. And that one constant is called cultural migration. It's something that we're trying to come to terms with as a people because as a culture, we seem to be moving from here to here to here to here to here. And we haven't really come to grips. We haven't come to terms with cultural migration. I mean, if you think about it, gender roles have kind of shifted and changed, haven't they? Years ago when the men went off to war and, and they were off fighting and they came back to find that the communities and the families that they left, they had changed because obviously when you go overseas and you're absent, the family unit still has to continue and still has to move forward. And then when they came back, they, they kind of find, you know what, my place where I used to fit, I don't fit there anymore. And, and it put these little cracks in this identity when it came to the men, it's like, do I I fit here? Where do I fit? Like, do I have a purpose? And, and that started um, a, a bit of a thing that happened. These days in contemporary world, the FIFO culture is a little bit like that. Like we, we have men and women, they're over here, then they go and then they come back and, and it's like, well, where do I fit? Because I've been absent and yet when I'm absent, the family still had to move on. Who am I in the midst of this family, in the midst of this community? Since 2007, I've been part of... Um, <laughs> this um, social platform that's called Facebook. Is anyone else part of Facebook? There's one big no. (laughs) Facebook, I don't know about you, but for me, Facebook has granted me a very, very special service over the last 10 years. For 10 years, I've been able to project an auxiliary and sometimes alternate persona to the world. Is anyone else like that? I can project a, 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 a Dave Ryder out there that has nothing to do with the person of actually who I am. And what's more than that, Facebook has actually allowed me to actually look out into the world and view millions and millions and millions of people and compare their fake identity and their fake life with my fake life as well. Has anyone ever noticed that? You know, who's like, honestly, I, I remember, t- well, I don't remember, I just did it yesterday, taking photographs and you crop it and you put a filter on it. And, t- and then like, I had one photo yesterday put up, we were at Les Moody Falls, and like, my, I was looking at my face and saying, but like, um, Andrew and Jax were in the background, I said, they are much more good looking than me. So I cut my face out just to show them, has anyone else done anything like that? Bunch of liars. <laughs> <laughs> Social comparison theory states that we determine our own social and personal wealth based on how we stack up against others. How are you stacking up this morning? Because I ain't stacking up that well. (laughs) For at least 10 years, I've watched on television shows like Extreme Makeover and The Biggest Loser. Has anyone done that? 
One of, my, one of the things I used to love to do back in the day, before I was married, obviously, because Andrea is a dietitian, but we used to watch The Biggest Loser, and we used to get these big tubs of ice cream and these packets of chips, and we used to indulge in these calories while watching other people, like, does anyone else, or am I just the only weird person here? <laughs> But it kind of um, gives this message that you can actually change who you are by changing the outside. You can almost fake it till you make it. You know, it sort of put this kind of thing into our, into our thinking that if I change the outside, that's going to change the inside. At the turn of the century, Thornstein Velbin, who's a sociologist, he coined the phrase compictuous consumption. Conspicuous consumption. And basically what this means is that we as a society, we will go and we will buy things of, of a certain nature. We will buy some luxurious things, not necessarily because we need it, because of how it makes us look. Right? Anyone else like that? Well, at the beginning of this year, I said to Andrea, I would love to have an Android watch. Android watch, right? Anyone got an Android watch here? Yeah. I, I said, I would love to have an Android watch, right? The reason I wanted to have an Android watch is because I was sitting with this guy who I still catch up with, and he is a cool dude, right? He's cooler than me, you know, like, and we're sitting over there, and I noticed he's got his amazing Samsung phone, as I do, none of this iPhone stuff, Samsung, and he's got this Android watch, and he is looking good. He is looking cool. And I thought to myself, you know what, if I get, I've already got the phone. If I get the watch, I'm going to look as cool as that guy. I'm going to be up with technology. I'm going to be like this. I'm going to be like this. I'm going to be like this. Then one day it actually dawned on me, I actually hate the fact that I've actually got this all the time. I hate the fact that people always email me. I hate the fact I always get these little buzzer things. I, ha I actually do not enjoy having this phone with me. In fact, in order to actually get away from things, I sort of tell you, we'll get another phone, get rid of that, and actually go off so no one can contact me. And I thought to myself, wow, isn't it amazing that the only reason why I wanted to get this Android phone is because it might make me look cool. Anyone else like that? <laughs> fluidity that's a term that's thrown away like the moment is it fluidity it's something that we're sort of using with all areas of life and and even sexuality and and some things that we once saw and we once deemed as being static we're now being told no that's fluid um Things have certainly changed. There has certainly been a cultural migration. We are in the midst of cultural migration. And, and 2015 may have been the year we obsessed over identity, but I would dare say that our obsession has not ended at all. You know, French philosopher uh, René Descartes, he famously proposed, I think, therefore I am. And what he did is that he actually laid this bedrock of much philosophical contemplation and thought, um, which actually... <laughs> sort of geared modern thinking to moving uh, from a theonomous paradigm to an autonomous paradigm. A theonomous paradigm is one that understands and identifies that God, theo-God, is the one who we are subject to, that we get our meaning and purpose from him. Obviously, moving from theonomous to autonomous, auto, me, autonomous, means that I am now told I should derive meaning and purpose from myself. Maybe for the very first time, as a culture, we are now looking in the actual opposite direction to find purpose, to find meaning, to find identity, 
something that generations never did. And, and, and here's the thing. We are told that we will find what we need within ourselves. yet the Christian worldview will say, if you want to find purpose, if you want to find significance, if you want to find identity, you're going to find it outside of yourself. And for the very first time, we are actually running an inward race instead of running an outward race. And here's the deal which I know that if we look inside of ourselves to actually find purpose and meaning and also to actually answer some fundamental questions when it comes to what we see in the world, what we see as far as brokenness and all that, we will not find the answers within ourselves. In fact, we will become lost. And that is what is happening all the time. Because if we encounter storms in our life and the only anchor I've got is within myself, well, I'm going to be tossed this way, I'm going to be tossed that way, I'm going to be tossed everywhere. And for this series, I want to talk about where we need to anchor ourselves. And I want to, this message, I want to talk about a fundamental truth that is not widely accepted in our world today. And it's not appreciated in today's secular world. Yet, I think every single person knows this intrinsically. You all know what it is? It's so simple, you're going to think, why did I come to church for this? Here's the truth. Three words. I am created. I am created. We don't like talking about that, but we all know it's true. I am created. And because I am created, my identity, if you get nothing else, get this, my identity must be received, not achieved. Okay? I am created. Because I'm created, because I acknowledge that, my identity must be received, not achieved. And I'm going to show you scripturally where we get that. It's found right at the beginning, book of Genesis. So Genesis 1 verse 26, if you have your Bibles, why don't you crack that open? And um, we're going to read... Verse 26 says, Then God said... Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. And in these first couple of verses in Genesis, we actually find the humility and dignity of humanity. We are not self-sufficient. We are not God. There is the humility of humanity. Yet we were given dominion over the earth and there is the dignity. There is no other creature that is made in the image of God, yet we are made in the image of God. And there is an identity statement which God actually puts out there when it comes to humanity. And this is the identity statement. It's this. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Theologically, we throw out this word and we say, imago Dei. Made in the image of God. And that is an identity statement. And isn't it funny that we have this identity statement as given by God, yet you and I, or maybe more so me, we actually live a little bit contrary to that. Because when I walk, walk up, wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror and I try to think to myself, now, how can I 
actually project myself to this world? How can I, I'm getting up to speak, how can I project to the congregation that I'm confident, that I know what I'm talking about, you know, like I'm, I, 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 I've got enough energy. How, how can I project myself? Yet the identity statement would actually say that our identity, our purpose in life is that we would project the image of God to this world and not the image of ourself to this world because that's the identity statement. So when I care for, when I care and when I feed the poor and the widow, I project the image of God, don't I? You know, when I forgive, I project the image and grace of God, don't I? When I'm generous with what I have, I project the image of God. When I prefer others above myself, I project the image of God. When I love, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's kind of the identity statement. That's the stamp. That's who we are as image bearers of God, that we're supposed to be like this tilted mirror in this world that when people look at us, they're actually seeing something of God. And they're not actually seeing like me, 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 me. Because if you can actually look at, if, if I'm actually in this world and I'm like this tilted mirror and people look at me, if the people hear me, if people come rub shoulders with me and they actually sense something of God, well, then I'm bearing the image of God in this world. That's the identity stamp. Now notice... Back in Genesis 1, that God actually says something very, very significant. In verse 28, it says, God blessed them and said to them. Have you ever noticed that God blesses humanity before humanity does a single thing? I think, you know, like... If my kids do something good for me, then I might buy them a chocolate or a lolly and all that. And God says, no, what, you know what? When it comes to my kids, I'm going to bless them first. Because this is where God stands. Identity has to be received. Identity cannot be achieved. Okay? It has to be received. And if we do not come to terms with the truth that I am created then we cannot fully understand the truth that I need to receive my identity and then we actually get caught in this perpetual spiral of actually uh, getting lost. Genesis is actually really good in articulating the attack that comes against identity. We find that in Genesis chapter 3. So a couple of chapters, why don't you flip your pages over. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. And we actually see the, uh, the attack that happens to identity. From uh, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may not eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you, um, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Isn't it funny? Did, God said nothing about touching it. Yet the woman added that on. Have you ever noticed that? Like, isn't that funny? God tells you to do, not to do stuff or do stuff, and we in our human brokenness, we start adding things onto it, you know? Man, humans are just so human, eh? <laughs> it's crazy. Like, God did not say that, yet she added it on. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so we must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4. But you will certainly, um, you, will, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good 
and evil. Now, I want us just to compare Genesis 3.5 with Genesis 1.27. So Genesis 3.5, it's going to be up on the screen, says this, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be what? That is a weak lie. Come on, we in Camillo. We in Newspring. You will be? That's still a bit weak. I reckon we could do better. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Genesis 1.26, read this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Crazy. Here's the big lie, okay? If you do something, if you reach for something, if you achieve something, then you're going to be like God. But Genesis 1 already says that let us make man in our image, in our likeness, right? Satan says, you can be like God. God says, you're already created in my likeness. There is a big lie that is happening right here. There is a big deception that is happening. And Eve takes the bait, and she realizes she takes the bait, because in Genesis 3.13, says this, Then the Lord God said to, this, said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And guess what? That same deception is happening today. That we as, uh, as humans, we are continually trying to reach. We are continually trying to achieve. We are continually trying to find our identity in that thing or in that person. We are continually trying to achieve our identity instead of receiving our identity. Because as created beings, we have to receive. Do you get that? It's a big lie. It's something that we're still sold. In fact, you know, biblically speaking, when we try to achieve our identity by using people or by using things, the Bible calls this idolatry. You ever heard someone get up like a preacher saying, turn from idolatry? Ever heard that? You have? Have I ever done that? <laughs> An idol is anything that is good that becomes ultimate in your life or in my life. So if anything that may be good, maybe like my relationship with my wife, let me tell you, that's good. I love my wife. She is awesome. But if if that becomes not just good but ultimate in my life, that without that I pour everything into that, that becomes an idol. Could be a car, could be a job. And the Bible just says that anything that becomes the source of your identity, climbing that corporate ladder. Now, it doesn't matter. You may be like the, the top guy in the biggest business. You could be a billionaire, you know, but still be worshipping God. That's all good. Because even though it's a good thing, you haven't made an ultimate thing, therefore it's not an idol. But if, you could be like absolutely poor and yet... If I have this, if I have that, and you strive, and you, and you are trying to achieve. Bible says, you, you just need to return from that, which is called repentance, right? Basically, is this. You're, you're, you're striving for this, and, and the Bible says, you just need to turn from that and turn to God. And you need to receive your identity from God instead of trying to achieve it. You get that? But we are living in a world that is continually trying to achieve. It's a bit like that scenario in the Tower of, uh, Tower of, of Babel. You remember that? And they actually said, we will make a name for ourselves. 
That was the statement they said. We will make a name for ourselves. My goodness, that's idolatry. It's idolatry. Making a name for yourself? What are you trying to achieve here? But if they said, we will make a name for God, well, that's a different thing. Completely different. Okay? So identity has to be received. It cannot be achieved because I'm created. I want to break this down a little bit further and um, um, actually kind of, what does this mean when we are created? What does that mean? By understanding our position is like under God, we're created beings, we're completely dependent on God, we are humble and dependent on God, yet at the same time we are given this position of dominion on the earth, which means we need to embrace that there is dignity bestowed upon us, and we are image bearers of God, that we actually have this thing that we need to steward, be great stewards in this earth. Do you understand that it was... Not the greenies who first said, look after the environment. It was actually God who first said, look after the environment. Okay? That belongs to us, not to the greens. <laughs> People just want to take all of our stuff. It's just crazy. Oh. It's all right. But there are some certain things that come from being made in the image and the likeness of God. The first one is this. We are created for friendship, community, and conversation. We're created for friendship, community, and conversation. And I'm going to get a little bit picky with this stuff, but if you just like are just listening on the surface or go over your head, it'll be fine. But if you actually really listen, it's going to mess you up. It messed me up too. Genesis 2, 18, the Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So we're made in the image of God. God said, let us. That word us is the first little indication in Scripture of this revelation of God as triune, trinity. One being, three persons. Messes with your head, right? I am one being, one person. What am I? I'm a human being. Who am I? David Andrew Ryder. What is it? That's God. Who is it? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's trinity. Okay? Messes with our head. But for all of eternity, God is triune, which means that for all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit serve each other, love each other, communicate with each other, together with each other, and they're never separated from each other. And if we're made in the image of God, we are created to be in community, in friendship, in conversation, in dialogue, we're created to serve, we're created to love, because we're made in the image and the likeness of God, you see. And any time that we are not in community, any time we are isolated, we actually get lost. In fact, we use isolation as punishment in prisons, don't we? Because we understand that if you can isolate someone, you will break them down. And it may not happen like in a couple of days, but it will eventually happen because humanity, we are made in the image of God. We are created to be in community. We are. Community is important. Isolation and loneliness is not good for humans, right? It's not good. And part of the challenge, I think one of the biggest challenges, even when it comes to us um, sharing our faith, is that we, we, we ask people to have a personal relationship with God. We ask those same people to have a personal relationship with God who do not have a personal relationship with anyone at the moment. 
I was just, um, just finishing off my preparation in Dome this morning, and I saw this young couple, and they're having breakfast, and the, the, the young lady is there just sitting, waiting, waiting, and the guy is like flicking through Facebook, and she's over there looking and waiting, and he's just, and I thought to myself, you'd be a great illustration for my sermon, that's what I thought, no, but, but it's that, I see that all the time, don't you? We, 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 we um, think it's impressive these days to, to cry out, I'm time poor, you know? Because if I'm time poor, that must mean I'm busy. If I'm busy, that must mean, man, I've got important things to do. And we actually put it out there as like a bit of a badge, you know, I'm time poor. But the dangerous thing is that if we say time poor, real authentic community actually takes time. You can't like finish work, like not clock off from work, drive home and think to yourself, you know what, I'm just going to go and drive through Ed Rooster and I'm going to pick up an authentic, like honest relationship on my way home. I'm just going to pick it up, I'm going to pay for it, going to go home. It doesn't happen. It takes time, doesn't it? And we need to position ourselves in places where we are actually creating, nurturing and cultivating authentic, real community. And I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. But here's the deal. Unless we do it, We will become lonely, we will become isolated, and it is not good for man to be alone. Because of the way we're created, you see, we have to be part of genuine Christian community because of how we're created. We have to be. Is that all right? Next one. We are created to hear from God. We're created to hear from God. Genesis 2, verse 15 and 17 says, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him and said, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. Now, this is the second place. In Genesis 1, God speaks to humans as well. But I want you to understand that God is not speaking to humanity because they have sinned, because the, the, the fall has not yet happened. God is speaking to humanity because they are humans. Okay? From the very beginning, we are created in the image of God, but we are also created to hear the word of God. We are created to hear from God. You know? From the very beginning. And this is actually a really clear line of distinction between a Christian worldview and every other worldview. People think we're crazy. People think we're nuts. What do you mean? You're in a relationship with, you worship a God who speaks? Yes, we do. Clear distinction. God speaks. He spoke in the garden. He spoke for a thousand years. Guess what? He speaks even now. God speaks. And any time that we are in this place, we find ourselves wandering and not able to hear the word of God, guess what? We get lost. We get lost. To hear the word. We are created to hear God. When we do not hear God, we get lost. And there's a couple of reasons why we don't hear God. Distractions is a big reason, isn't it? You know, distractions. There's distractions all the time, you know. Like there's, like you get distracted from devotions. Anyone get distracted from doing the devotions? Man, get distracted. I'm thinking, I'm going to get up, I'm going to pray, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to do all this. And then all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to go do this. We just get distracted from going to God, uh, going to church. Anyone get distracted going to church? No, you're all here. Everyone else got distracted. (laughs) You guys are here. But, but, 
But is this idea that we get distracted, don't we, from going to places where we're going to hear God? We get distracted, and, and, and then there's well, distractions getting away, but we get in the way as well. Because sometimes we can develop these ungodly patterns that emerge and we don't deal with it, don't we? All of us, myself included, we all do, all right? We all do. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, get this, let us lay aside every weight and the sins which so easily ensnare us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Understanding the New Testament, the New Testament definitely talks about this idea of sin. But the New Testament also talks about weights. There are things that we get entangled with which isn't sin, but of course there are some sins that we get entangled with as well. We need to deal with that. But it's often not as easy to identify the weights as it is to identify the sins, isn't it? Because the weights, they just keep, us, like, keep me back and, and they just stop me from doing that. You know, one of the weights which I find in my life is like having just a, 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 um, a daily calendar that's completely full, you know? Like all this stuff from morning through to night, and then you have that day after day after day after day. And now that's not like sin per se, but it could easily become a weight because it actually stops me from actually going to God. It stops me from actually stilling my soul. It stops me from, from, from doing the disciplines that are actually going to ensure that I hear from God. You know, that's just me. You know, I find in this particular job um, that unless I'm hearing from God, I can't do this. And there are times, I kid you not, I come in the week and, and, and I think to myself, God, I'm just not hearing you right now. I know you've asked me, I've got to get up and I'm going to speak. I'm not speaking my words, I'm speaking your words. I need to hear from you and yet I cannot hear from you. And I understand that God's speaking, but there's something with me. And I just have to have that self-awareness to know, okay, I just need to, I just need to quiet myself. I need to go before God and God speak for your servant is listening. And um, just, just show me, what is it? And it's funny, God comes and he speaks and he unravels stuff and all of a sudden, oh, we get going, it's great. But I have a vocation as being a minister of the gospel, okay? Guess what? If you're a Christian, you have a vocation of being a minister of the gospel. Not necessarily standing up here on the platform because some of you guys are freak out, right? To be honest, I freak out as well. I just have to do it. But we are, in the, we, we are all ministers, which means that we need to hear from God. If I'm a plumber, I need to hear from God. If I'm a teacher, you know, wherever we are, we are all ministers of the gospel. My job is no more important than your job, and your job is no more important than my job. We are all put here to actually share the good news of Jesus Christ. And in order for us to be effective in doing that, we need to hear God. And the great news is that we're created to hear the voice of God. Is that okay? Third one, we are created to be dependent on God. To be dependent on God. Genesis 1, 28 to 31. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth, and all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given you every plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the earth, everything that has life. And that's what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, 
And he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning marking the sixth day. I want you just to notice what God does. Verse 29 says this, and God says, look, I have given you. Verse 30, God says, and I have given you. 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 Let me ask you a question, if you who have kids. When someone gives your child something, what do you tell your child to say? Thank you. It's true, isn't it? Everything in our life comes from God, right? We have been given. Therefore, our response in life is thank you. What is our prayer life? Thank you, God. Man, I just thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. You gave me breath to live again this day. You opened my eyes. You give me food. You give me a family. I thank you. What is our worship? You know why people get so... Um, stressed about worship and worship songs because you've forgotten what it's about. Worship is thank you, God. It's thank you, God. When we come and we worship, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's thank you. We're supposed to live a life of worship. What is that life? It's a life of continual, perpetual gratefulness and thanksgiving before our gracious, merciful, amazing, wonderful, beautiful Jesus. That's what it is. The life of worship. That's what it is, isn't it? Here's the thing about humans. We are created. We are not entitled. But we are blessed. Oh, isn't that good? We're not entitled. But we're blessed. And I'm blessed before I do anything for God. I'm blessed. He blesses me. He gives. That's good. It's good. It is. Repentance, I said it before, I'm going to say this again. You know, repentance, in a nutshell, is saying sorry for living in a manner of life that we were not created to live. That's what repentance is. You know? I'm created to be in community. I'm created to hear from God. I'm created to be thankful. I'm created to live in this certain way. And when I live an alternate way, and then by God, by His grace, and the Holy Spirit comes and gives me a tap on the shoulder, and some people may call that conviction or, or whatever, and says, Oi, you're going the wrong way. You're not living the way you're supposed to live. You're actually starting to achieve. You're starting to pour yourself into people and things so you would achieve an identity. You're not receiving your identity from God. Repentance is just acknowledging and saying, Okay, God, I'm sorry. I'm turning around, and I want to receive my identity from you. I acknowledge I'm created by you. I acknowledge that, that, that I am not God, I am dependent on you. But I also acknowledge that I am, uh, have this amazing um, privilege and I'm blessed because I'm an image bearer of you in that same vein. Do you get that? Yeah. We're made in the image and the likeness of God. And because we're made in the image and likeness of God, a band can come up and about to close up. It makes sense that if I made in the image and the likeness of God, it makes complete sense that the greater, more clear revelation I get about God, the clearer revelation I will get about who I am. Doesn't that make sense? If I made an image of God, the more I get to know God, the more I'm going to get to know me. Yeah? So for this series, 
we're going to go on that journey. And um, like I said, this was just the bedrock foundation. And there's only really two truths in this foundation. Number one, I am created. Number two, because I'm created, my identity needs to be received, not achieved. And we may be sitting here and, you know what, there may be parts in your life if you really think about it and you say, you know what, Dave, I reckon, I reckon God's got me right there because I've been trying to achieve stuff. And I feel like I'm useless. I feel like I'm no good. I continue to strive. And to be honest, as I helicopter up and I look at my life, because I am striving to achieve and, and run in that direction, it is actually being a detrimental to other aspects of my life. It's, it, it, it's actually ripping apart like my family. It's actually, my, my, I haven't got time for my kids. I, it, it's actually affecting everything and I hadn't realized it. But I've just been running in the wrong direction. And this is the great thing about hearing the Word of God. We just say, I hear you, God. I'm sorry. And now I turn around. I repent. And I'm looking to you. Amen. Hey, how about we pray? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the privilege of being able to study it, to actually see through the lens of it and actually bring out your truth. Father, I pray for every single person here that there be a reaffirmation of who we are. Made in the image of God. Made in the likeness of God. Humble because we are dependent on you. But at the same time, we have this dignity of being imago Dei, image bearers. Showing the world your love, your grace, your generosity, your compassion. Father, I pray as we continue in this series that you will come bring clarity that you will come bring healing, you will come bring recalibration, and that you will come bring redirection. 